Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Chip Scoggins and Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune. Right after the Vikings, what's the word I'm looking for? Not thrilling. <laughs> What'd you say, Chip? Thrilling. Thrilling. 27 to 24 overtime victory over the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. Boy, that was a lot harder than anybody uh, would have liked, right? I mean, I'm sure the Vikings, their fans, anybody just watching the game, wanting it to be to come to some kind of conclusion, uh, this game kept dragging and dragging on. Uh, I guess let's start with you, Chip. What was your first reaction to seeing this game end the way it did? They should uh, burn the copy of this game. It was awful. I mean, it was one of the worst football games you're going to see. I mean, turnovers, just bumbling plays, bad execution, weird play calls. Uh, it was horrible. I mean, just, I mean, it, I, I, I'm glad the Vikings treated it the way that they did afterwards and not celebrating their resolve or they're sticking with it or anything like that. I mean, to a man, everybody from Zimmer to players said, yeah, a win's better than a loss, but this isn't good enough. This is not going to work going forward. Yeah, Ben, just where do you start with the list of mistakes that we saw in this game? There, there were as many missed field goals and extra points between both sides, four as there were fumbles, four. We just saw a safety. The Vikings took four sacks. I mean, just where do you, where do you start with the amount of issues they had in this win? I'll add a couple more to the list. They had an offside penalty on offense uh, with Justin Jefferson lined up too far forward. They had a touchdown that bounced off Chris Boyd's arm. Uh, basically looked like a set in a volleyball match to uh, LaVisca Chenault for the Jaguars' first touchdown. Um, they had a botched exchange at the one-yard line. They had a false start at the one-yard line that forced them to finally trot Dan Bailey back out there after they seemed to be trying to do everything but put Dan Bailey on the field at the end of the game. So, yeah, quite a quite a list of, of mistakes and, and not terribly becoming – of a playoff team, but right now they are a playoff team. They are six and six. They would be the number seven seed, which means they would be headed to Lambeau field in the first round of the playoffs to face the second seeded Packers who uh, would not have a first round by as because of the new format. So you have a seventh team in the second team second does not get a buy. So now you're looking at a bigger wildcard weekend right now that would have Vikings Packers in round in one. one, the, Caveat to all of that, of course, is that you're going to have to play a lot better than this to get there, especially the teams they play in the next few weeks. The the cupcakes are sort of over now, and and you're going to play teams that presumably will do a better job of making you pay for these kinds of mistakes. Yeah, Chip, where Chip, where do you start when you're looking at the fact that everything is still in front of them in this team, and they're not really looking at the team that's deserving of doing much outside of the yeah. I guess if we're going to give them credit, um, when they were one in five, we thought the season was over. We're talking about tanking and, and doing all these things and looking ahead and trading every veteran they have. And now all of a sudden they're, you know, they're in the seventh seed. Um, and so I think you have to do, you have to give them credit for not just completely bailing on this season. Um, I think they've, you know, up until a point, I felt like they found a formula on offense. Um, the last couple of weeks is weird because of the uh, the turnovers that have led to scores and just kind of the sloppiness we've seen from them. But 
Um, you know, it's in their hands now, right? I mean, here it is. You, they're going to have to win either in Tampa or New Orleans, I think, to get there. They're going to need one of those games. I don't think they can go 0-2. Although, let's be honest, there's a lot of bad teams in, in this uh, conference. I mean, the NFC is not, I don't think, um, even teams that will probably make the playoffs are not very good <laughs> or, or not consistent. Maybe that's the best way to say it. And so, um, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it from that side, they have everything right there in their hands, but they can't continue to play like they did the last two weeks and think that they're going to be anything more than a one and done if they do make the playoffs. Well, the Jaguars looked like they were trying to bring quite a bit of pressure early, but you know, it was, it'll be interesting to go back and watch it because at least it looked live. Like the right side of that line had a lot of trouble. I mean, Brian O'Neill got beat a number of times on that side. I think they had some issues with him and Ezra Cleveland over there. So it's going to be interesting to go back and watch that because we haven't seen that. I mean, that pairing had looked like it had solved a lot of these issues on that side of the line the last couple of weeks. And they got, I at least watching it live, I thought they had a lot of, trouble today and they haven't been able to run the ball all that well in the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's, you haven't seen the the big chunks of yards quite in the same manner. It's been more three, four yards of carry for Dalvin. And, and you wonder if he's starting to wear down, but I think also they haven't done as probably quite as good of a job opening things up for him. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. I mean, it, it just doesn't look like he has that burst. I know Gary Kubiak said, last week that he's beat up. Do you think it's defenses are really gearing up to saying, Hey, we're going to make someone else be us. We're not going to let Dalvin cook go for 170 yards. Or do you think he's just starting to feel the effects of carrying the ball 30 plus times? Yeah, I think it might be a little bit of a combination there because we did, as Ben said, we saw Jacksonville really bring the heat. They basically were saying, we're going to sell out to stop Dalvin cook. And if they so happen to call a pass play, we're just going to make cousins throw under duress and, and under a lot of pressure from five and six man rushes and blitzes. It wasn't like that every single time. There were some clean pockets, but I thought it was telling that Kirk's best throws today were when he wasn't hit, wasn't pressured too much. The 40-yarder to Justin Jefferson, the 20-yard touchdown to Justin Jefferson, some of the biggest plays he was able to make were the ones, the few times that he was kept clean, but then the pressure would get back to him, and sometimes when he had a clean pocket, he'd misfire. He'd throw late. He would overthrow somebody. There was that consistency from the quarterback, and then Chip, when you talk about the running game, 38 touches, 38 from Dalvin Cook today. And this was, of course, Alexander Madison not able to play. And Mike Zimmer said that had something to do with it. But they were not, at the end of the game, when they gave him eight straight runs, that was, we do not want the game necessarily in Kirk's hands right now, nor do we want it in Dan Bailey's foot or off of his foot. This yeah. was this was Dalvin, go carry the game into the end zone for us. And, it's, and here's the thing. I mean, if he's tired and beat up now, I mean, they're, they've, they've got to win these games now. And so... It's not going to be less. It's going to be what it is or even more. And so you wonder what he's going to look like when you get to the finish line. I mean, it's going to, uh, you know, it's, I know he wants the ball and, and, and um, they built this offense around everything around Dalvin being the focal point, but uh, he may limp to the finish here because, I mean, this is just, I mean, the, his workload is, I don't know if it's sustainable. Maybe it is, maybe you know, maybe he'll be able to do it, but he, he looks like he's getting um, tired. That's what the way he looks to me. Now has, um, since November 1st, four games where he's touched the ball at least 30 times. And 
at least going into today, there was no NFL running back that had more than two of those other than Dalvin. So um, it, we are seeing, I mean, your eyes are not deceiving you in terms of the workload. It's, it is unique among NFL running backs and you don't see guys get that kind of a workload anymore. So yeah, you, you do wonder if that's going to weigh on him, but Alexander Madison had an appendectomy yesterday. So you can't figure that he's going to be back right away. And uh, they're, they're going to have to figure out something else. I think just because you can't, I mean, they, this is where they put themselves that they don't have any margin for error. If you start one and five, you can't sit there and, and be where you were last year where it's okay. We've clinched the playoff spot. We don't need to play Dalvin against the Packers. Yes. It'd be nice to beat them, but we don't have to have it. We don't certainly have to play them in week 17. You're not going to be able to do that. You're going to have to win. I think at least three of these probably to get in, which means you have to put your best foot forward every week, which means it's got to be Dalvin cook every week. So this is kind of where they left themselves and the side effect of that could be having to lean on Dalvin cook. Even if you know that there are more sensible ways to use him for the long term. Yeah. Just for some context too. I think Dalvin's on pace right now. He's only played 15 games, but it's something like 26 touches per game. If he plays the next four games at that rate, he will surpass Adrian Peterson in the touches he had in 2012. And that was a full 16 games. Uh, Adrian had 388 touches that year. Dalvin's on pace for 390 in just 15 games, which is just an insane pace right now, the workload he's carrying. Um, and yeah, at some point you mentioned Chip, just not seeing the same burst, same elusiveness. It just wasn't sustainable probably from the rate we saw in September and October. Cause sometimes it was like 10 forced broken tackles a game. It was just so ridiculous that nobody can keep up that rate. But when your body starts to wear down and take those hits, I thought it was telling when the coaching staff starts talking about going into this week. Yeah. We want to be smart. Yeah. He's getting a little bit beat up. And then all those plans go out the window when it becomes a close game that nobody was expecting it to be a close game against Jacksonville. And once again, as Ben said, when you have no margin for error, they have shown that their path to winning is on the back of Dalvin Cook. And even if it's going to be in a slugfest like this, where it's the ugliest kind of brawl you could imagine, they're going to just ride the guy. And 38 touches is the most for a single player in the NFL since Ezekiel Elliott almost two years ago in December of 2018. That, that's not, that's any team, Derrick Henry, anybody, nobody's done that in two years, had that many touches. And the Vikings had to do that to get past the Jaguars. And don't you think in your in your heart of hearts, when they started this week, they thought internally, okay, we're playing a one in ten team. We should be able to pull back the reins on Dalvin, give Madison a lot of the workload. And because they thought they you probably thinking, okay, they're gonna be in position, they'll be able to pound them and, and you can take Dalvin out early. Well, not only can you not do it, it's a close game. Your backup has an emergency appendectomy, and now all of a sudden you're in a situation where you gotta give them more than you're giving them in terms of workload. And I, I guarantee you, this is not the way they envisioned it when they started this week. And um, again, I mean, this is the point where you, you would hope that Dalvin, you could have a fresh Dalvin cook. Instead you're coming off a, a game where he, you know, he had to basically milk the, the last drive because, you know, you don't trust your kicking and you got to give him the ball eight straight times. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, well, we, we talked about um, Kirk Cousins. We talked about Dalvin Cook and some of those issues. Let's talk about the defense quick. Um, we, we saw some plays made, actually, whether there were some issues early, obviously. Jacksonville's got 160-some yards out of the gate. They fall into a 9-0 deficit. 
but we see Cameron Dantzler basically rob a Jaguars player to get his first interception. We've seen uh, him also. Did he get a fumble recovery in this game as well? Um, I think he had a he yeah he a did. He made a couple of plays. So Ben, what did you think of Cameron's day and just kind of the defense overall? Well, I, I thought they played well in the second half. I mean, they gave up the, the touchdown kind of on the fluky pass early, but I think um, I charted it here in the after the five in the five drives after the um, which one would it have been the, the pick six at the beginning of the second half. Uh, I think the Jaguars in the next five drives only had fifty four yards. So basically, when the Vikings got themselves in a situation where they had to come back their defense held up for the most part. I mean, they, they didn't give up really anything for the next until the last two minutes of the game. And, and you're sitting there at that point when they come back and score 18 straight points that you have a chance to go win it fairly comfortably. I mean, it was 24 to 16 and it took a drive at the end, even to send it to overtime. So the, the defense, I think did its job. It, that's not an offensive unit that is going to test you as much as, what you're going to see next week or uh, what the saints would have potentially. It's hard to calculate that exactly with Taysom Hill, but certainly what you see next week, is going to test you a lot more and um, you have to figure that out at that point. But I think for what they needed today, given no DJ Wanham, um, no Eric Kendricks, which was a, a bit of a curveball, um, I, I thought they did what they needed to do for the most part. And then, you know, you want to see them get a stop at the end. But, yeah, I think in the in the grand scheme of things, they did what they had to do. Yeah, I, I would – you do wonder how much of the slow start was them sort of being that curveball, not having Kendricks and being kind of rattled by that and just uh, communication. And and they uh, – Jacksonville is definitely going to tight ends, which you're not going to see as much probably with Kendricks in there. But um, we also have to factor in. That team is awful. I mean, Mike Glennon, the 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 interception to that uh, Harrison had at the end. I don't know who in the world he was throwing that to. I mean, it was they are just not good. And so you you have to give them credit, the the Vikings defense, because they did get some turnovers. And I thought the Dancer uh, interception was a nice play. But as Ben said, the level of competition is going to jump dramatically this week from what they saw today. Yeah, when we're talking about this defense and Eric Kendricks, I think it was the calf muscle that had had him missing a practice earlier in the week. We see him, there was a CBS broadcast footage that got him um, in warm-ups. He kind of twisted the calf a little bit and kind of went grabbing at the left uh, leg. So clearly did something in warm-ups. Mike Zimmer said they tried to get him ready to play despite that, and he couldn't do it. So, What I, did I he do to Andrew? What was that? What did he do to it? Yeah, I should say Mike Zimmer said he tweaked it, which means Kendricks will be out the rest of the year and we will not be able to see him because that's what a tweak is, according to Mike Zimmer. No, we could see Kendricks coming back, but this was something that they thought he was going to be able to play through until he re-aggravated that right before the game. And, and Chip, like you were talking about with the run game and with Cook and Madison, you're probably thinking before the game, like, all right, Kendricks, let's not necessarily push this one right now. It is the Jaguars. And here they give up 162 yards in that first quarter to make it an interesting game right away. Um, Eric Wilson, Todd Davis, Troy Dye, those were the linebackers for much of this game. And that's, I think that's why you saw Tyler Eifert, you saw O'Shaughnessy, you saw James Robinson at running back. You saw some Jaguars players attack the middle of the field where Kendricks would be. And I think that was pretty obvious. Um, All right, guys, before we end up closing this podcast, we need to talk about the kicker. 
We need to talk about Dan Bailey missing a few extra points and a 51-yard, or no, yeah, 51-yard field goal attempt. But it's the extra points, two of them. Mike Zimmer says afterwards, Ben, I hope it's an enigma. What do you think? I think he meant aberration. That's what I initially thought. But I'm a grammar nerd, and Mike Zimmer is a football nerd. So we have different areas of expertise, I suppose. But, yeah, it was it was interesting because we haven't seen Dan Bailey have these issues. In fact, Dan Bailey is here because his predecessors had these issues, whether it was Daniel Carlson or Blair Walsh. And Chase McLaughlin, uh, the Jaguars kicker that his, missed his own extra point and then misses the 62-yarder at the end of regulation, um, perhaps that was a brilliant job by the Vikings to plant a mole there knowing they beat it? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not, but it it worked out in their favor that the Jaguars had some of the same issues. And I don't think this is something that you expect from Dan Bailey very often, but they have changed long snappers. They have had issues trying to get that operation exactly how they want it for part of the season. And you do wonder a little bit if some of that stuff is playing into some of the inconsistencies because it's been, they've had protection issues. They've had a couple of field goals blocked. They've had bad long snaps a couple of times. And, and uh, we saw KJ Osborne fumble another punt return, though he was able to fall back on that one. And that's after he took the job from Chad Beebe and that carousel changed once again. Um, but Hey, KJ had 21 punt return yards. I don't know if you guys know this, but that's more than double what they had entering this game. So. KJ Osborne, I think, had 13 uh, at one point this season. So, yeah, I, I think he, he ended up surpassing that quite handily. Um, if we can get somebody among our loyal listeners to come up with a Photoshop job of Dan Bailey as the Riddler, uh, that would be quite entertaining because, of course, the Riddler's uh, street name is Edward Nigma or E. Nigma. So uh, you have been commissioned, Vikings Twitter, if you can come up with a picture of Dan Bailey as the Riddler. Uh, we will at least give you a shout out here. I don't know if we're going to pay you for it. Probably not. We're a newspaper. We don't have that much money to pay you, but we'll, we'll give you a nice mention. And that's how we can end this podcast. Thank you guys for checking us out at Access Vikings um, podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. And you can download all of our work. Check it all out at startribune.com. Maybe you should get off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>